Welcome to The City Podcast, a ministry of Ambassadors Church in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. If you'd like more information about our church, visit our website at wearethecity.org. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you are blessed by today's word. And so this morning, I, I wanted to, uh, to use a biblical example to prove what we've been talking about these past couple weeks of someone who was planted, positioned, and producing And when you add up those three factors of being planted, positioned, and producing, you then are able to unlock and discover your purpose in Christ. So so our our intention this morning, my my drive, the the subject that I want to speak to you on is what are the results or what happens in the life of a man or woman who is planted in God, who is positioned to grow in Christ, and then is able to produce fruit is that person who then discovers their purpose and unlocks their full potential. Because I believe that there is no life on this planet that is wasted. God is able to use and wants to use you and I to accomplish great things. And so this morning, you know, we we could focus on a lot of different stories, but I want us to look at Genesis 29. And, And in nearly 10 years of preaching, I've never preached on this story. It's a really interesting story. And you may be like, what in the world is this going to, how is this going to apply to what we're talking about? But it'll all make sense in a little while. Genesis 29, verse 20. If you're there, say, I'm there. All right. So Jacob served for seven years for Rachel. And it seemed to him but a few days because of the love he had for her. I'm going to read that one more time. So Jacob served for seven years for Rachel. And they seemed to him but a few days because of the love he had for her. The word of the Lord. Let's pray this morning. God, we love you. Thank you, Jesus, for this time of worship. Thank you, God, for uh, what you are doing in our church. Thank you, God, for uh, stuff like the Love the City yesterday and the mentorship program that's coming up and City Night tonight. And, And Father, all that you are doing, we are excited to be a part of what you are up to, God, right here in this house. And Jesus, I pray that these moments that we spend in your word would be an investment, an investment, God, of our time that that, Lord, I pray that as we sow our attention, that we would reap, God, blessing, and that we would reap change and transformation on the inside of us. We love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So when we're talking about someone that's planted and positioned and producing, there's several people that we could talk about in the Bible, right? Joseph is my go-to guy for anything. You want to talk about forgiveness? Talk about Joseph. You want to talk about grace? Talk about Joseph. You want to talk about temptation, talk about Joseph. You want to talk about hard times, talk about Joseph's like the man. Or we could talk about Esther, right? Esther's my girl. Alini's my girl. But Esther's like my Old Testament girl who, like, there's so many sermons in the story of Esther. We, I mean, we talked for weeks on end about this woman. We could talk about her being planted, positioned, and producing. Absolutely, we could. We could talk about Paul, right? Paul's the man. He's, he's the man who, you know, was a church planter and wrote majority of the New Testament. This is a man who was planted in his identity in Christ, was positioned to grow and produce fruit, fruit that remains to this day, really. But I wanted to, to focus on the story of Jacob and Rachel uh, because it's a story that is an interesting one, but it, it really, uh, it, it, it's a motivation to all of us about the fact that Anything that's desirable in our life comes through a lot of hard work. Only one in the room. Anything desirable in life comes through a lot of hard work. If you agree, say, I agree. And, like, here's the thing. A couple weeks I told you about the fact that 
uh, you know, I want to look like the guy on the front of Men's Health magazine, but yet I also like the 800-calorie shake at Five Guys. Uh, there's just that, that discrepancy between, you know, what I want to achieve and then what I'm willing to do. And so th there's anything that's desirable, right? No, no job gets, you don't get a job without applying for it. Uh, you don't get a direct deposit paycheck just for living, right? That would be nice, though. Um, you know, there, there's hard work that backs, that would be really nice. We should really, you know, fight for that. Just everybody a guaranteed base amount. Um, that'd be nice. There's, there's no such thing, there's no such thing as a first date if nobody asks nobody out, right? You, you gotta, you gotta do some, gotta do some work. Nobody looks like the guy on Men's Health Magazine just by genetics, even though it does seem like some guys are just normally, naturally fit, Edder. Um, it's just, that's just the way, tell me not, fellas, Patrick, like all of you guys, just, just me. There, there's just something about hard work, and, and, and there's something about put, being willing to submit ourselves to the process in order to get the desired result. Being planted, positioned, producing, adding those three factors will unlock our purpose. This morning, we, we could talk about Jacob through many different perspectives, but Jacob was a man in love. Ever been in love? If you're sitting next to your wife, say yes. You better say yes. Have, have, you, have you ever been in love? Love changes things in your brain, right? It, it changes things. You get softer, emotionaler, hopefully romantic, romanticer. Fellas, where are the romantic fellas in the house? The romantic men. Any romantic men in the house? Like Sam? Well, Melanie is raising Sam's hand, so I don't know if that applies. <laughs> She's like, he's romantic. Like, love changes. Um, you're willing to do something for her. You're willing to go whatever extent you need to when you're in love with her. Jacob was a worker on Laban at Laban's house. Laban's the, the, the owner. At Laban's, and Laban had two daughters, Leah and Rachel. Leah was the older one. Rachel was the younger one. Scripture says Leah had weak eyes. That's what it says. Not roasting her. Those are the, those are the inspired words of God. Leah had weak eyes. I don't know if it was a lazy eye. I don't know if it was cross-eyed. All I know is there was something up with her eyes. Something, something not right. She was the older one, but she had weak eyes. Rachel, according to the words of Scripture, was shapely. I don't know how the message version puts it. But in my version, it says she was shapely and she was beautiful. Okay. Jacob is a worker at Laban's house. Jacob falls in love with Rachel. Jacob makes a proposal to Laban because when a man knows a woman's worth, a man is willing to work to honor her worth. 
So, so Jacob makes a proposal to Rachel's dad, Laban, and says, Laban, I love your daughter so much that I'm willing to work seven years for her to be my wife. And I always thought, I mean, seminary student, I always thought Laban said yes to this proposal. You go back and read, Laban didn't agree to Jacob's terms. He just said, just remain in my house. Better for her to marry you than to marry. He never said that sounds like a plan. He just kind of gave a non-answer and said, well, it's better for her to marry you who I know than somebody I don't know. So just do your thing. Do your thing, essentially. So Jacob begins working seven years. Seven years felt like a few days because Jacob loved Rachel so much. The end of the seven years comes, and Jacob is excited. This is the moment that we've been waiting for. Tonight's going to be a good night. And so Jacob, you know, this was not just a wedding day. This was a wedding week. Like, you don't just celebrate on one afternoon that costs you your whole life savings. This is a week that costs you everything. And, uh, and, and so the, the moment comes, the wedding party is here, and the night. So this was a weird little tradition. The husband, would, the new husband, the newlywed husband, would kind of wait in his room, and the father would then bring the bride to the place where the husband is waiting for his new bride. There's no electricity. Thomas Edison has not come around just yet. There's no light bulb. There's no power. It's nighttime. It's dark. And the moment has come for Jacob to have his night with his new wife, Rachel, who he has worked for seven years to marry. This guy is a good guy. Jacob brings Leah to the tent. Weak-eyed Leah. Let's Leah into the thing. Jacob doesn't know it's her. They, I've read, even read that they probably dressed Leah in Rachel's clothing. I imagine, like, if they had perfume at the time, I don't know what kind of perfume they would have, but, like, hay, hay scent. I don't know what they had, but they sprayed Rachel's favorite perfume on Leah, put Leah in Rachel's clothes and sent her in. They go through their wedding night. The sun rises in the morning. Jacob clears his eyes, looks beside him, and there's weak-eyed Leah. This is the story. Like, this is, this is the Old Testament. The Old Testament's a weird testament, but it, it's the story. And, and, then, and then Jacob, you know, springs out of bed out of nowhere, runs to Laban, and says, I thought we had a deal. Like, I worked seven years to marry your younger daughter, Rachel. And Laban says this, oh, we don't have the tradition of marrying our younger daughter first. Isn't this a conversation that we, I just spit a lot. This is a conversation that we should have had seven years ago. You don't tell me this the night after our wedding day that you don't marry your younger daughter. That's a conversation that we should have had before Laban. Come on. Here's the thing. A lot of us get frustrated and we leave. You know what, Laban? You wronged me. I'm out. I'm going to go find myself a more beautiful girl than your daughter, and I'm going to come back with my beautiful wife, and I'm going to show you that you missed out on the best son-in-law you could have ever had. He was deceived. 
How many of us run away from our frustrations? Where we, we put in the work and things still didn't go the way we desired it to. And so we, we throw a little tantrum and we walk away. What we're doing is being childish. And we act like things have to go the way we desire it to go. Did Jacob do it? Because Rachel didn't belong to Jacob. Rachel belonged to Laban. Laban's daughter, Laban's rules. So Jacob is willing to work another seven years to marry the girl of his dreams. Fellas, you get frustrated when you don't get a text within 24 hours. I know I did. I'm like, why isn't she responding? What does this mean? What is the meaning of this? The meaning is she's busy. Well, maybe not. Maybe she's playing a game. I don't know. You never know with women. There's three things spiritually that I learned from Jacob. He knew what he wanted. He was willing to do whatever it takes. And he was committed to the process. Men and women in the room, do you know what you want? And I'm not talking like, oh, I want, I want a house in, 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 I want a house in Cranston. I want, I'm not talking that. I want a white picket fence. I want sod for my lawn. You know, the rollout grass. I want, I want myself this car, this year, this model. That's not what I'm, that, that, I'm talking about what, what is your goal in Christ? Do, do you know what you want? Oh, I want to I wanna, I wanna be a, no, I'm talking, I'm talking beyond the what do you want to grow up to do thing. I, I'm talking, what's, what's your purpose? What do you desire? What, what drives you? Do you know what you want? And I believe that what we want when we delight ourselves in God, God deposits in us this passion and this drive for a specific thing. Like, my, my purpose is to make sure that lost people know Jesus loves them. That's my purpose in life. How that kind of manifests itself is in a bunch of different ways. Sometimes it's through preaching until I spit on everybody. Sometimes that's through packing love baskets on a Saturday morning, handing them out. Sometimes that means singing songs up here until everybody just kind of gets going. But my purpose in life and the way, what I live for is to make sure that lost people are found by Jesus. And so that drives everything that I do. And, and I want to kind of motivate you this morning and ask you, do you know what you want? Or are you just kind of in this journey, kind of just seeing what's going to happen? I don't really know why I'm here. I'm just kind of here. I don't know what I'm up to. I don't know, even really know why I came this morning to church. I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of, do you know what you want? Number two, are you willing to do whatever it takes? And number three, are you committed to the process? In a convenience world, are you committed to the process? 
here's the thing. Let me kick it to the New Testament for a little bit. There is a cost to being a disciple of Jesus. There's a cost. Oh, salvation's free. Absolutely salvation's free, but it demands everything from us. Oh, but, but grace is free. Grace is free, but following Jesus costs. It means that we are willing to sacrifice everything to be the people God created and called us to be. Here's the thing. We want the convenience. We're not committed to the process. Do you know what you want? What, what is it that God has given you a desire, a drive to do? The thing that scares me the most is that years would pass me by without me fulfilling my purpose. That I would mindlessly go through the motions of attending church and singing worship songs, but never tapping into my purpose. That I would settle for religion and I would listen to 52 sermons a year every Sunday morning, but never be fulfilling the reason why God put me on this planet. What do you want? Are you willing to do whatever it takes? And are you committed to the long, hard process of being the man or the woman that God has called you and created you to be? And so Jacob is willing to do whatever it takes to marry the love of his life, the woman of his dreams, Rachel. And so the end of the second set of years comes and the time has now come for him to have the wedding of his dreams. And I would have another conversation with Laban. Do you have any other daughters that you're hiding from me? Tell me not. He comes out with another daughter with some other issue. The wedding day comes, he marries Rachel. And the story then progresses that Jacob loved Rachel, but Leah was the fertile wife. She was able to bear children, but Rachel wasn't, at least at first. It's crazy how God works. What I admire about Jacob is that he was a man on a mission, and nothing could swerve him from what he knew was God's will for his life, which was Rachel. Fourteen years is not convenient. 14 years requires patience. 14 years requires motivation. 14 years requires you to remember a few things. This morning, I want to ask you to remember three things. First of all, you need to remember why you do what you do. Being in all, being completely frank, not Pastor Shane, Shane for a moment. Mondays are the hardest day of the week. Spiritually for me, spiritually, emotionally, Mondays are the hardest day. Because I come from a moment on Sunday morning where it's, it's an emotional high, it's a spiritual high. There's this moment on Sunday morning where, like, I am never, I don't feel any more alive than when I'm preaching God's word. That's when I feel the most alive. That's when I feel the happiest. That's when I feel the most motivated. I'm telling you there are, mo like, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this, and I'm not saying this to tap myself. I'm telling you how I feel. 
there are moments where I'm preaching where I feel like, man, I could change the world right now because that's the desire of my heart. That's the what do you want question. So I come from that emotional, spiritual high, and then I wake up on Monday morning, and it's like a, and don't mind my words, a hangover of sorts, where I feel like I've given everything, and now I'm kind of just left dry. I've, I've poured out my energy. I've poured out my spirit. I've poured out my heart's desires. I've, I've, I've let people know the gospel. And then Monday morning when I wake up, it's the hardest day. And, and man, there were some moments where, like, I felt borderline just, I don't know what you would call it, sad. I don't know what it is. But I was just feeling spiritually oppressed on Mondays. And then I had a conversation with a pastor friend of mine who said that his day was Thursdays because he would preach on Wednesday nights and Thursday morning he would feel that way. And I'm like, praise God, I'm not the only one. But he gave me some tips about how to take care of myself in those moments. To remind myself why I do what I do. That it's not so much about just this emotional hangover, this spiritual hangover. It's about constantly being refreshed and renewed to remember that you are called. And that when you remember that you are called, it will then motivate you to keep going. Do you think it's easy to stand up here and look at you every single Sunday and try to give you fresh bread from heaven and try to feed you and try to make you laugh and try to impress you and, and try to convince you about how purpose-filled you can be and, and try to convince you about how much God likes It's the hardest job in the world. It is because it has eternal implications. It has eternal implications. I also wouldn't want to be a mover or a construction worker, but, but preaching is hard. Facts, right? Movers, construction workers, I take off my hat, I bow a knee, and I pay you honor. But this is hard. Because we're fighting the devil. And I have to remind myself every day, I didn't choose this life. This life chose me. God chose me for this. And I'm sharing this with you not to get your pity. I'm sharing this with you to help motivate you that you need to remember why you do what you do. And that you will be then just driven to keep going and become the person that God has called you to be. Number two, remember who called you. Who called you? I saw this amazing status on Facebook this week that said, you can't allow people that have never prayed or spoken life into your, into your calling to allow, to, to allow them, I'm totally jacking up her quote, but don't allow them to be the people who bring down you in the calling that God placed on your life. If God called, God is the only one who has the right to speak life or death. Remember who called you. And number three, remember what the mission is. Remember what the mission is. Why we do it, who we do it for, and what we're doing. I just pictured Jacob waking up on that one random day and being like, what am I doing here 13 years later waiting to marry this girl? Do, do you not think like Jacob would kind of second guess himself at some point and say, what am I doing? There's probably other pretty girls out there. I could totally find somebody else. But when it's Rachel, it's Rachel. And it proves something spiritual that you, when you remember your purpose, you're willing to do whatever it takes. Look, the story of Jacob is awesome. Congrats to the guy for marrying the woman of his dreams in the end of the story. That would be the most frustrating end if he worked 14 years and never got to marry the girl of his dreams. Tell me not. 
but Jesus is the better Jacob. I think about Jacob. He was deceived into marrying the weak-eyed Leah with a desire for the beautiful Rachel. He gave 14 years to marry the woman of his dreams. But Jesus didn't just sacrifice seven years for his bride. He sacrificed his life, not for the beautiful bride. He sacrificed his life for the imperfect bride. And he said, the one that no one else desires is the one that I'm going to die for. And so Jesus is that groom who gave everything for a bride that was imperfect. That's me and you. And yet through Jesus, the Leah bride becomes the Rachel bride because of Christ. Follow what I'm thinking here. Jesus intentionally marries us, imperfect. But because of this covenant that we have with Jesus, we become the beautiful bride called Rachel. That is exactly what happens in this whole salvation story, is that Jesus sees your imperfection and you are what he desires. And he is willing to do whatever it takes, even to the point of death, to win your heart. And he is committed to the process to the point of death, even death on a cross. Why would you be willing to die for an imperfect person like you and me? But yet he desires us and he longs for us. And he wants to marry us spiritually. He wants to be the groom and we become the bride. And he is committed to marrying the imperfect bride. But then he says, now that I've married you, I will restore you. What was weak will become beautiful. What was broken will become whole. What was once considered rubbish will be considered precious and lovely and beautiful. In Christ, Leah becomes Rachel. The imperfect one becomes the whole one because of the one that we're married to, Jesus Christ. I hope that this makes sense in your spirit because I want to remind you that if we're going to be planted and positioned and if we're going to produce, it's going to unlock our purpose and our purpose is not to make money and our purpose is not to have the house of our dreams and our purpose is not even to marry the girl of our, our heart's desire. Our purpose is to glorify the name of Jesus with everything that we do, everywhere that we go. I want to remind you who called you, why we do what we do and what we're on mission to do. We're on mission to reach lost people, not to throw great services, not to have the best worship songs. We are here so that sinners may know a Savior named Jesus Christ. We are here to make disciples of all nations and for us to declare to a lost and broken world that Jesus is the only hope of humanity. In Christ, broken people become beautiful. My dad loves to say this in his preachings that Christians look beautiful, that Christians just look better. He, he says it because it, it means something that when the spirit of God is on somebody, it makes that person beautiful. It changes the person's face. And I believe that Jesus wants to do that for you this morning. Maybe you feel like weak-eyed Leah. In Jesus, you become beautiful, Rachel. And he was willing to not only give 14 years for you, he's willing to give his everything for you. He didn't work 14 years to just marry you. He said, I will love you to the point of death, even death on a cross. Could you stand up? I want to bless you this morning as we leave.